But I'm going to tell you this, we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligible Podcast. My name is Will Stone. Chase Caldwell is still uh, across the pond in Europe, but I am joined today uh, by the managing editor of Good Bull Hunting, Mr. Robert Behrens. Robert, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be inching ever closer to football season every day. We're, we're coming down the home stretch. Yeah, uh, there's, there's someone on 24-7 that starts a thread every day with how many days it is. So I think it's on like 39 or or 40 right now so yeah it's, it's, it's gonna... that time of year where i feel like you know you like you get to media days and like media days there's all this news there's all of these like sound bites and everything and like it kind of it, it's almost like false fall it's like false right. football season where it's like you kind of get used to all you know all this stuff being talked about and then you get to this week that we're in right now and it just goes back to like silence and you're like oh yeah we're still like six weeks away unfortunately yeah well like, even when fall camp starts there's that first couple of days where you're getting videos and things like that. And yeah. Jimbo speaks to the media and then it's just kind of boring after that. And you're like, okay, we still got four more weeks till the season starts and you're just kind of twiddling your thumbs, but yeah. Yeah. Like we all get so excited to watch those first practice videos and, and every year, like you get so excited about it and then you watch it and you're like, this doesn't show me anything. Yeah. This guy's just like doing sprints or stretching. And I, I don't know why we always hype it up so much, but we're all just so desperate for it to come back, I guess. Yeah. I, the only bright spot is I, I do tune into a couple of uh, preseason games for the NFL and things like that. Just just any kind of live football to uh, distract me from, from the real world. So um, the, the NFL picks up, I think a few teams started this week. Um, I know the Cowboys start tomorrow, so... Um, it's really, it's really that time of year and I'm, I'm super, I'm fired up about it. Yeah. I got to start uh, prepping for my fantasy football draft. I'm, I'm behind this year. I need to play some catch up so I don't get uh, raked over the coals in the draft in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you brought up media days, um, nothing too noteworthy, uh, coming out last week, uh, especially on a side, kind of the same, all same, all about, uh, the play calling and things like that. So. Um, I guess if you got anything that you want to touch on there before we get into the in the quarterbacks, I mean, yeah, you you touched on it. the The big news from the A and M perspective, which was kind of non news, was Jimbo once again uh, just not giving a straightforward answer on the play calling duties. Um, and certainly from a fan perspective, we would all prefer if he would just definitively say, "Yes, Bobby Petrino is going to be the play caller," uh, because then everyone would stop talking about it. Um, but the bottom line is, no matter what he's saying, no matter how much he's beating around the bush, um, and he kind of alluded to it in some places, you know, like there was a reason Bobby Petrino got hired. Um, and not only was there a reason AM wanted to bring Bobby Petrino in, there's a reason Bobby Petrino wanted to come here. And it wasn't to come here and not call plays. Um, right. So I think from everything I've heard, I mean, from everything we've seen from practice reports and from talking to the players not well i don't talk to the players but you, you hear the quotes from players yeah um i mean it sounds like bobby's the guy running this show right now and jimbo's still gonna have a hand in it jimbo's still an offensive guy um so he's gonna be in the room and he's gonna still have input um but for the people thinking that this is gonna be just the same old jimbo offense that we've seen for the past five years uh, i think that's just wrong yeah i i think you're spot on with that um uh, I, I know that we we both shared that Chris Lowe article from ESPN 
um the 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 clips in there like the the, the quotes in there from jimbo and just kind of how that relationship with with petrino has has been going so far like he spoke very glowingly about petrino and um i feel like i'm I'm probably reading too much into it i know i am but i i just feel like if if it was going poorly you know like he wouldn't like he probably would have just like skirted around and not you know brought it up at all about about how well it was going um, and, and then a quote from Anias where he's like, hey, you know, Jimbo brought in Petrino and said, hey, here's your new OC. And then and then Jimbo left the room and let Bobby take it over. So I think all those things kind of point in a good direction for A&M. Yeah. And in that same article you referenced, um, Jimbo talked about, he, you know, it's like, does Nick Saban call Alabama's defense? No. But right. that doesn't mean he's not in that room during the week. That doesn't mean that when there's a critical moment in the game he's not put you know calling into that headset saying like hey we need to do this because that's what a head coach does right um and so i mean you hope that like Jimbo's going to be more freed up to make those kind of decisions um because he's not sitting there with his you know five-star notebook of laminated sheets <laughs> yeah <like he> had <laughs> the, the cheesecake factory menu yeah yeah um but yeah it's like i mean granted it's it's late July, so like this is the time of year where everything's normally going pretty well. You know, it's really not until the season kicks off that if if you're going to see problems crop up, sure, that's when it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but at least for right now, there's no reason to think that this isn't going to be a, not only a different offense than what we've seen, hopefully a much more effective offense than what we've seen the past couple of years. Yeah, I think the whole the whole dynamic makes a And M one of, if not the most intriguing teams uh, in 2023. I mean, it's, I, I wish there was like a, a hard knocks or some kind of documentary style behind the scenes thing going on in him this year. Cause it'd be so cool to see all those conversations and things like that. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, and especially for me, like, I just really want to know not only what things are like this year, but like, how are they this year compared to what we saw or what went on a year ago? Um, yeah. Because I mean, we know for a fact that, you know, there were some definite like locker room problems last year, whether or not it was just a handful of guys or if it was more widespread, we don't really know. Um, But yeah, it's like, you just really want to know how different is that vibe from last year to this year? um, And how much of that growth is this team going to see as a result of that? Because that's, that's one thing that I've um, touched on. I kind of, I need to write an article about it. I keep meaning to, and I keep putting it off, but it's, uh, that like if we do see a big bounce back from this team, say they win nine, ten regular season games, yeah. like it's not it's not like in spite of what happened last year, it's because of what happened last year. Because I think you had a lot of guys who, whether it was that freshman class or otherwise, I think maybe thought that they could just skate by on on talent and just show up and be successful. And yeah. and last season showed everybody beyond a shadow of a doubt that no that's not going to happen like if you want to win you need to put in the time the effort the blood sweat and tears um so if they are able to do something special this year i think we can look back at 2022 and say as much as that sucked that was kind of the building blocks for maybe what this team is building toward yeah i think so so like the offense itself is you know like is an interesting uh topic and and subplot but uh, also just the overall culture and you know, like in our state of the program episode a couple of weeks back, you know, we were you know, at, at like a six or six, seven, seven and a half in, in that kind of range. And something that's that's given me a little more hope and it won't affect us this year is 
uh, is how well AM is doing on the recruiting front because after a five and seven season and like last year's class was was solid, there, there were some good players in there, but definitely not, you know, uh, in, in the top five range. Um, they've been killing it this year. And Jimbo mentioned yeah. that in, in his, uh, in his press conference at media days that like he, he made the comment that our players are our best, our best recruiters. And I think, you know, that probably plays a factor with the culture being stronger. And when those recruits come visit, it's not just a, a crap show, you know, and everything's like the, the, the players are a lot more bought in. At least that's kind of what I take away from that. Oh yeah. Well, and if you, you know, rewind to 12 months ago, sitting here in late July, I mean, we were at like, I think we had like six or seven commits or something. It would, we had just had like a radio silent summer. And even yeah. before fall camp started, I did kind of felt like you're like, what's going on? Um, because we were coming off of, you know, that number one, like greatest class of all time. Yeah. And then it, it just felt like recruiting had just taken a nosedive and kind of none of us knew why. Um, and then it felt like that just bled into the season that, you know, it was it kind of one mirrored the other. Uh, right. And so, you know, obviously we made some changes on, um, on the coaching staff and, you know, they made some changes on the recruiting staff too. Um, they did. Yeah. You know, they, uh, let go. They're a director of player development back in early June, which, I mean, I'm not saying it's the cause of it, but like A&M recruiting has been on a rocket ship ever since that happened yeah um yeah. i i mean I, I i can't say that that's the cause but certainly um they're certainly not missing not having anyone in that role this summer because right. like you said recruiting's done quite well they've they've gotten cam coleman as their their kind of first five star in the group they're they're hoping to get a few more maybe even as soon as this weekend right um you know, you know it's hey it's a top 10 class and it has has a chance to end up being a top five class if they can you know, pull off some of these recruits yeah there's no, there's no doubt about it um and, and we don't get too far into the weeds on on the on the ins and outs of recruiting but yeah um you know like a&m has kind of made this last weekend of july this uh this annual pool party that they have um it's it's becoming like one like one of the the premier recruiting events um not just for a&m but kind of around the country and like you, you see other schools i mean maybe this is the reason maybe it's not but uh lsu and texas are having theirs on thursday and friday respectively and uh and and A and M is on Saturday because uh, if you if you follow recruiting that uh, very closely, uh, you've probably seen a few lists out there that uh, it's just a loaded, uh, absolutely loaded list of uh, of recruits that are coming in uh, to A and M on Saturday, both in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. So um, it's it's very very impressive what what Jimbo and the staff have been able to do. Yeah, for sure. And and you know this is yeah third year in a row where this event is going on where it's an absolutely loaded visitor list um and and just like the past couple of years you hope that you know that can lead to some commits you know either either this weekend itself or even just guys that kind of it, this weekend gets the ball rolling for whenever they do make that commitment later on closer to signing day um i think but this year just like last year um the biggest thing is going to be yeah like this weekend could be great you can knock it out of the park but you got to win some games this fall yeah because like if AM goes six and six or seven and five this year, not only are we not getting a whole bunch of the guys we're still recruiting, we might not hang on to the guys we have. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's like it's absolutely like it's a make or break year on so many levels for this team. Yeah. No, it's 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 so it's so pivotal. Um, and you know, it it's it, it goes back to like that culture and that offense. But you know, in, in terms of of a position, you know, this is a position preview 
you know, uh, series that we're doing. And um, we're, we're trying to hit quarterbacks in all uh, skill positions on offense. We talked O-line and D-line with Jay Arnold last week. Um, but let's start with quarterback. Uh, you know, Jimbo has um, has has maintained that this is a uh, open competition. I think ninety percent of the fans probably expect Connor to start. Is that where you're at, or do, or do you think that there's still some 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 fighting left to be done uh, on in in that battle? I mean, I've spent the entire offseason just assuming it was going to be Wegman. Uh, yeah, same. So, like, so the fact that we're here is it's a little bit surprising that he isn't just named the starter to me. Um, but that said, like, I mean, that's kind of been Jimbo's MO. I think, you know, the only other time that he hasn't had a QB battle was, I think, uh, with Kellen Mond in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of don't have a good read on it because, you know, we had the situation last season where we went into fall camp and it was a quote unquote QB competition between Haynes King and Zach Calzada. Um, but we pretty much, or no, I'm sorry. Calzada wasn't here last year, was he? He had already transferred out. Yeah. It was uh, King and it was, Max Johnson. It was Haynes and, 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 Haynes and Max and, and Johnson. And Connor really, but yeah. Um, but it was kind of a competition in name only because we all knew it was going to be Haynes King. And then yeah. and, and we were right, at least for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it's like, it just feels like, I forget who it was that said it, uh, but they phrased it very well that um, Max Johnson is a QB that you can win games with. Connor Wegman is a QB who can win you games. Yeah. You know, like Max is like, he's rock solid. You know, he'll, he'll make the plays he needs to make. Uh, but Wegman is, he's that five-star recruit that has that it factor that could potentially, you know, if he plays the way he's capable of, um, I think the sky's the limit. So definitely the higher ceiling guy and the younger guy. Um, yeah. So it's inevitable that he's going to be the one that all of us want to see play. Um, but you also hope that, I mean, he's a five-star player in year two, that if he's developing the way that he should, this is the time where he should be taking that starting role. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would, it, it would be very surprising to me if, you know, if week one, it's not Connor Wigman going out there uh, and, and leading the offense. Um yeah, I, I I like Max. Uh, I, I love him as a as a backup quarterback. Um, oh yeah. We, we've seen you know the past year, like like last year we needed three, you know. And if uh, like at one point last year our, our backup was I, I guess it was I guess the last two years we've gotten down to a walk on being the next guy up if if it had come to that. So um, I think they're in a good spot overall, like like the uh, like some of the other guys they have on the roster at quarterback. But uh, th- those top two, I mean, I've I've been a big fan of Connor like ever since his uh like his recruitment um you know five-star kid all the talent in the world um and and showed the flashes last year and uh and i think he's continued to do that but um i i think you know it 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 kind of has to be him like if if he doesn't have it together and loses this this uh this competition um i'm gonna get pretty worried about that <laughs> because I, I don't think it'll be I know offense to Max, but it won't feel like Max went out and won it. It'll feel like Connor lost it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just across the fan base, if you know, we get to like 10 days before the first game and Max Johnson is named the starting quarterback, I think you just like everyone's optimism kind of just goes off the cliff. Yep. Um, I mean, just because I think it, it limits what you can do. Um, and it just, and all of the like optimism everyone's been talking themselves into all off season is kind of contingent upon having, you know, some 
much improved quarterback play. And like you, like I love Max, I love having him as, as a backup and, you know, as insurance policy, but I think he kind of is what he is. Yeah. And we know what he is. And you know, yeah. we're kind of hoping you're, you're hoping for that, that potential that, that Wegman is going to bring. Yeah. So as, as far as Connor goes, um, you know, he's, it's, it's your two in the system. It's, I, I guess it's the first, I guess maybe the, I guess maybe the first full year he's, he's been without baseball. Uh, Cause he did come in spring of last year and, and didn't, and went, you know, football only, but um, I think that, that, that I think that it, it kind of bodes well for his growth uh, to be focused on, on one sport and uh, you know, and, and be healthy through, through all spring practice and all that. But um, is there any, is there any kind of negative part about his game? I mean, like he, he, he wasn't perfect last year by any means, but uh, he, he faced a lot of pressure. Um, I thought he did pretty well, not, not turning the football over. Um, is there anything that you're kind of like skeptical about or, or just want to see more of? Um, I'll kind of talk about some stuff not, like, and it's really, it's not things that I'm concerned about personally, but it's just, if you're looking for the critiques on him that are out there, I've heard people say like, they don't think he has a great deep ball just as far as just arm strength. Like they don't, you know, he's not a guy that can throw the ball like 70 yards. Right. Um, and there's a lot of the like stat guys out there want to talk about, um, that even though he didn't throw interceptions, that he throws a lot of interceptable passes. If yeah. you want to like dive into like the more deep analytics of it, but at the same time, like I think part of that is just you know he came in last year and like I mean, he's just he's a guy who like he's trying to make plays and he saw Evan Stewart and Mish Muhammad out wide and I think he did have a lot of balls where he would kind of throw it up and say like I'm going to trust that my guy is better than the guy guarding him. Yeah, and, exactly. I mean, and it he was right. <laughs> you know, he yeah. didn't throw in any he didn't throw any interceptions. Um and so that's kind of the like the whole the analytics versus like eyeball test. Right. Where you know, you can like look at all these analytics and like in you know advanced stats and stuff like that, but you're like, yeah, but like did you watch the game? Because like because I'm because if you watch him play, like you know, the guys can have all the arm talent and everything in the world, but it's like quarterbacks have to be able to like sit in the pocket and find the right guy and make the right throw when they need to. And yeah. he seemed to like come in immediately. He immediately gave energy to the offense when he came in and he just, yeah. he made things that the other quarterbacks made look very difficult. Suddenly look way easier. Yeah. Like the offense just seemed to function better when he came in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on with that. Uh, I, I actually saw those same, uh, the same analytics, uh, uh, tweets that you're talking about <laughs> yeah. um, I, I actually quoted one as a, as a positive and then I went back and saw that guy's previous tweets and he was kind of talking he was, he was kind of uh, uh I guess he was he was criticizing Connor a little bit um I guess like 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 the, the, the part that I've quoted was was what you just talked about like he's he's not afraid to let his receivers make a play on the ball and when you've got guys like Evan and Moose Muhammad and uh, you know, even Noah Thomas with 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 his six foot six frame, I mean, why not put the ball up there and let your guy make a play? I mean, I it's it's kind of like I I, I loved Kellen. I loved the way he played, and like if a guy was open, then then Kellen was going to put it on the money. But I feel like he was a little bit shy sometimes to really like just just let it hang and you know and let and let your guy go make a play. Uh, Connor is not like that at all. He's he's not afraid to just throw it out there um, and, and and see what they can do. But uh, that guy's previous tweets, and, and his name is uh, Clark Brooks, I believe, uh, SEC Stat Cat yeah. on Twitter. 
Um, but he was saying, you know, per his analytics, that uh, Connor Wigman is one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the SEC. And I'm sure he's got the numbers to back that up. But whenever I watch Connor, you know, like in in the games last year, in the spring game or whatever, I, I, I've got no issues with his accuracy at all. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like like he's not just like, you know, throwing balls just way off target and things like that. I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's maybe, you know, if it's balls that he had to throw away. You know, like he was under quite a bit of pressure sometimes and and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure like, like how the metric is calculated. But um, in, in my mind, like just, just watching – just watching Connor play, there's no issues for me as far as accuracy goes. Yeah. And, and it's also one of those where he only played four games essentially. Yeah. Um, and half of those were one was uh, Auburn when he was, you know, he was just coming back from being out with the flu the week before. And that, that entire Auburn game was just awful to watch like oh, on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Auburn ended up winning the game, but I don't think either side came away from that loving the way they played. No. Um, you know, like AM looked terrible, Auburn looked terrible. Um, and then you had the UMass game where uh, you know, it was like 40 degrees and driving rain the entire game. So it's not exactly conducive to elite offensive numbers. Um, you know, that I mean, that game had other issues too, but yeah, weather certainly didn't do them any favors. So like when you have two games where you did not play well, you know, two of your first three games as a as a true freshman starter that's really going to skew your data. So I'll be interested to see like what those numbers look like this year, hopefully with, with a full season's worth of games. And if that is drastically different. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I feel like that Auburn game really, really skews the data because he, he attempted a lot of passes and had a very poor completion percentage. It's like yeah. 30 something percent. Um I know, you know, that the cherry picking is bad or whatever, but if you just look at Ole Miss and LSU, it's like 61% or 60, or 62%. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like that Auburn game is probably an outlier. Um, like you said, just off the flu. Um, I was at that game. The weather was not great. It was very cold and, and, and quite windy. Um Left at halftime. Sorry, you can call me two percenter. It was the ugliest game I'd ever seen it in my life. So uh, we 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 hit the bar at halftime. But uh, you know, also in that game, no a chain, no moose. Obviously, no Anias, uh, no Donovan Green, and then Max Wright gets hurt in the first half. And like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, yeah, same. I, I went back and watched it today because I. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because it was so it was so bad. I forced myself to watch it again just to get some insight. But um, yeah, so I think you know, I don't think that's I think that's an outlier. You know, pretty much. I think you know, with all the changes in offense, you know, fingers crossed, better play on the offensive line. You know, that's a whole separate whole separate issue there. But um, I, I I really do I, I like I like where this this the offensive skill is at right now in terms of quarterback. Uh, and running backs, receivers, and all that, but it's probably the best I felt about quarterback uh, in, in a long time at AM. Yeah. Oh, and, and you talk about you know we we talked a ton about Connor and uh, Max Johnson, but maybe the most important thing is well, not the most important thing, but another important aspect is they actually do have two more scholarship quarterbacks behind those guys now, in that you've got Marcel Reed, who's a true freshman uh, that we flipped from Ole Miss just before signing day last year. And then Jalen Henderson, who was actually a transfer from Fresno State. Um, I know um, I know Henderson's definitely more of a dual threat guy. I don't know that for sure about Marcel Reed or not. Um, but, I mean, just the fact that, like you said, you know, 
we've had in the past two years uh, where we have been dangerously close to having to play walk on Blake Boast. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to actually have four scholarship QBs on the roster. So you you hope that you're you're out of the woods as far as having to throw on your walk on QB out in SEC play. Yeah. And and three of those four, you know, have have college experience. I think Henderson's maybe a, a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore. But mm-hmm. you know, even if it came down to it, your your third guy's not a true freshman. So I feel like it's been a long time since we've been in that kind of position as far as depth goes. Um, I think I think Jalen Henderson. I think I feel like that was that that, that was Petrino going out and saying, "Hey, we, we could really use some more depth. I'm going to go try to find a guy uh, in in the portal that's okay being a backup." And you know, he, he went and found a guy he liked. Um, you know, Marcel Reed, I always liked him as a recruit. Um, I know we had Holstein committed. I think we offered, you know, both those guys around the same time and then, you know, took Holstein, had him for a bit. He ended up flipping Alabama. Um, but to come back in and flip Reed from Ole Miss, that's, that's a big win. Uh, you know, conference rival, there's no love lost between between Lane and, and Jimbo. So I'm sure I'm sure Lane was not happy about that flip at all. But, um, you know, I think. But, but you know, it all came out in the watch because they got Chris Marshall. Yeah, yeah, that that worked out very well for them <laughs> so far. Um, but yeah, I think you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a place where, where where you can be critical of Jimbo. You know, in in the past, like since he's been here, not really hitting on his quarterback evaluations. Um, yeah. It seems like Connor is is going to pan out. Uh, I've got high hopes for for Marcel Reed. Um, the couple of the guys they recruited. Uh, they got two committed in the class right now, two very different players, but both uh, very exciting for different reasons. Um, uh, Anthony Maddox uh, from Mississippi kind of, kind of reminds you of Lamar Jackson a little bit. Uh, he's got that, 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 that tall lean frame. He can really, really throw and really run. Uh, I think miles O'Neill has generated a lot of buzz lately. Uh, that guy has uh, a very special, very special arm. Um, probably one of the stronger arms I've seen us uh, recruit in, in a long time. Um, I wasn't around. Uh, yeah, you know, I think there, there's a guy, uh, is it Vance Smith? Is that right? Like back in the, the old AM days, it just yeah, had a hand yeah. for an arm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know about uh, if it's if it's stronger than that guy's arm, but, you know, Calzada, Kyle Allen, uh, you know, Reggie had a cannon, but uh, this kid, Miles O'Neill, man, he can really sling it. Yeah, well, and both guys who, when they committed to AM were three-star recruits, and almost like almost instantly, you know, within like a month of committing, were all of a sudden four stars. Um, and and people like to look at that and say, oh, that you know, they're just getting like a bump because this they committed to this big school. Yeah. Um, but I mean, more than anything, it's just you know, normally like the schools are better at this than the recruiting sites, so often the schools are identifying these guys sooner um and also like i mean when a guy commits to a name program which you know i think AM fancies ourselves a name program um a lot of times these recruiting sites they will go back and like they'll take a second look at that tape and they'll be like what are they seeing that we didn't see right. um but yeah and with miles o'neill in, in particular um a lot of the sites still have him pretty far down there um but yeah but i think it was on three they bumped him up and they have him at like the number six qb in the country in that class yeah. he, they have him as like a top 100 recruit now yeah so you know if the other sides bring him up anywhere close at that level even you know not even like that high like 
I think his stock's going to just keep rising just from a uh, recruiting rankings perspective. Yeah. I think I've seen that one knock on him is that he, he didn't play against very good competition. Yeah. Uh, I think he, he transferred high schools to, to one that's in a little bit bigger classification. So, um, you know, his senior tape is, is going to be very, uh, uh, I think highly anticipated by, uh, obviously for, for, for A&M, but for, you know, for, for these recruiting services to, to figure out how to rank him. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard Bud Elliott say, you know, that, uh, like people have asked him about, you know, like, do you bump a guy up if Alabama offers him and things like that? And he was like, we don't only look at that, but it'd be, it'd be foolish to not listen to the market. And if the market is saying, you know, Nick Saban is saying, Hey, this is a kid that we really like, then maybe we should go take a second look at him. Yeah. I mean, AM has a, uh, A&M has a linebacker recruit right now, a Tristan Jernigan, who, you know, AM once again, they were like kind of early in on him. He just got an Alabama offer this past week. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, for that very thing that like these sites be like, okay, like if Nick Saban's saying yes, like <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to <laughs> take another look. Um, right. And, and part of that, you know, people always say like, oh, well, why are these guys having these like huge rating jumps when it's June and July and we haven't played any games since November, December? Um, and it's, it's like, it's the camp circuit more than anything um, because, you touched on Miles O'Neill. You know he's played his high school career thus far at a small school where he's probably not getting a lot of interest, and he doesn't have a lot of comparable competition. Um, and so the camps are where a lot of these guys, like people, be it scouts or coaches, whoever, they see with them for the first time. Not only are they seeing them in person, but they're seeing them against like a comparable peer group. So yeah. instead of it just like this guy's lighting it up, but he's doing it against ninth graders. It's this guy is like, he's still lighting it up and he's against like other guys that we are thinking of offering. Yeah. So, so that's why you see these, like you can see these huge rating jumps or you see, you know, guys start getting a slew of offers in, in May and June. And it's because, you know, they're finally getting to see these guys on a somewhat comparable stage to what you'd be seeing in college, even if it is just in, you know, drills and scrimmages. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I think you do have to, to credit this staff a, a little bit in that regard. Um, I feel like, I think for the most part, their evaluations have been pretty solid. Like typically if you see them take a a player that maybe isn't the highest rated at the time, they usually end up getting bumped up and, and getting yeah. more offers. Um, and, and people were, were kind of getting on us about, uh, about, um, about, about getting a commit from Cam Coleman, the, that five-star receiver from Alabama, uh, but AM was the first team to ever offer him like yep. two like two years ago. So um I think this staff does a tremendous job on that front. Yeah, well, and, and people did that last year with uh with DJ Hicks, where you know they said they're like, Oh, it's like they obviously just paid him a bunch of NIL money because <laughs> why would he go there when AM already has so many defensive linemen? And it, and they're like, No, it's like AM's been recruiting this kid since like eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he like he's been to campus like 20 times. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that is one thing I, I, and we're getting a lot into recruiting. I know we didn't really mean to, um, yeah. but um, you know, especially in, with NIL now, everyone assumes that like guys are just going where the biggest paycheck is. I think people are undervaluating or undervaluing. Uh, I mean, how much the relationships still matter in that process. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. Some of these guys are probably getting paid. They're getting paid almost no matter where they go. Um. And so like, but they're still choosing the place where it's like, they feel the most comfortable where they either have, they have the best fit for what they think the school is going to do with them scheme wise, or just like they have that connection with 
teammates or with coaches. Um, and it's just, it's the place they want to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I feel like that, that's why Jimbo got so offended about Saban's comments is it, it took all of the hard work that, that these guys do and, re, and reduced it down to, well, you guys offer more money and that's why you got all these players. Like it's, there is more to it than that. It's, it's like, I always say like to, to follow the money and that's usually your answer, but you know, it's not the whole picture. And I think that context matters of, of, you know, being able to build those relationships and have that kind of connection. And, uh, and I think it, they do a great job of, of showing off the Aggie network. Um, th- this is a super deep cut and then we can get back to, to, <laughs> to running backs. Um, but uh, there was a, a five-star, I think a five-star defensive end from the state of Arizona uh, in this class that was committed to Oregon and flipped to the university of Arizona. Who's not a, you know, heavy hitter in recruiting and Oregon is. And um, I, I asked, I think it was Ari Wasserman tweeted it out and I asked him, but uh, some Arizona fans responded to me and they were like, Hey, like our staff did a great job of building relationships and, you know, they convinced him to stay in his home state. And um, I think it's awesome. I mean, I'd like for every recruit except for, you know, the Cam Coleman's of the world to stay in their home states. <laughs> you know, if, if A&M could try yeah. to pick a few guys here and there, but you know, keep those Texas kids at home. Yeah, I mean, because that's, I, I mean, you look at the 2024 class, like the top like 10 kids in Texas, I think right now, I think it's like seven out of 10 are projected to go to college out of Texas. Like, you know, they're all going to Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and, and then A&M and Texas are mixed in there too. But yeah, yeah it's like, I, I would love it if, you know, we were able to lock down Texas even more than we already do. Yeah, I think Florida's got a couple too in the top 10. Uh uh, DJ Lightway yeah. and a and a safety too, but um, it, it it is fun to to be excited about recruiting again because yeah, I mean, I, sure. like like it's said all the time, but it it is the lifeblood of the program, and um, you know, go out win big on the field this fall, and you know, I think everything falls into place. But yeah, uh, in terms of running backs, you know, uh, hats off to Devon A Chain, uh, absolute stud warrior, um comes back from being hurt to suit up against LSU. A lot of folks wouldn't have done that. He did had 200 yards rushing, you know, goes and gets picked high in the NFL draft uh, is now a member of the fastest team in football <laughs> at the Miami yeah. Dolphins. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I, I, I was telling somebody uh, the other day that at the, at the pro bowl week, they need to do like a sprint relay and, and see, and see how fast those guys are. Yeah. Cause they would definitely just, just don't demolish the rest of the NFL in, in that contest. But um you know, I, I, it's it sounds weird to to think that the the running game will be better without a chain, but but it's, it's not because he's gone. But it's because I've got a lot of faith in in this offense's uh, ability to run the ball with what they're going to try to do, and I really love these backs. Like there's 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 five guys really, and, and there, there's kind of a big three that that the conversation is going to be centered around, but. Um, you know, as it sits today, I, I couldn't tell you who's going to start out of this bunch. No, I, I absolutely couldn't either. And and I think for the first time in several years, it might be that there's not just like an unquestioned, you know, lead back. Um, yeah. We've gotten so used to having Travion Williams or Isaiah Spiller or A-Chain be like the guy. Yeah. Um, and that just may not be the case this year. Because like you said, you've got um, Amari Daniels, you've got Le'Veon Moss, you've got true freshman Ruben Owens. Um, I could see any of those three winning the job, or I could see 
it being like just a three-headed monster with, with all three of those guys being used, um, you know, sporadically. Um, and especially even because, you know, we talked, I talked about how in previous years, AM has really not used a big running back rotation. It's been like one guy and kind of just that guy getting spelled very, very infrequently. Yeah. Um, but you've got a new OC in Bobby Petrino. Uh, you've also got a new running backs coach uh, in Blackwell from Ole Miss. That's right. And we saw at Ole Miss last year, obviously they rotated out Judkins and Zach Evans uh, pretty much 50-50. Yeah. And so I mean, it'll be interesting to see like what that rotation looks like um, because it's kind of a great unknown at this point. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, like, I think you, you could roll any combination of the three out there and have success. I mean, they're yeah. all they're all different in their own ways, but I think they're all – they all have the speed and explosive ability – I think they all catch the ball well and can be used in the passing game. But, um, man, I, if I had to pick a guy, I'd probably pick Le'Veon Moss. Um, just a like he's really filled out since he got here. Um, he, I think Jimbo said he ran like a 10-4 or something in high school. Just it, it's rare speed for a guy that big. And this guy runs like in the limited time we've seen him, he, he runs really hard. Like he, he's a tough runner. Um, I, I think – I think he'd probably be the favorite to get the most carries if I had to pick somebody. Um, but every time I've seen Amari Daniels, he's just he's just popped off the screen or, or, or on the field, was, you know. I was about to say the exact same thing, but like every time I noticed Amari Daniels last year, it was because I, you know it's like something great was happening, and you're like, man, it's like that's a great run. It's like, oh, oh, crud, that that's Amari Daniels. That's a good, yeah. good job, dude. You know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm t- I. I agree a hundred percent with what you just said like i i would pick moss if i had to but um but yeah i mean daniels has done nothing but be productive when he got opportunities and then you've got reuben owens who comes in as you know some people ranked him as the top high school running back in the country last year so it's like yeah. does he come in um and, and and of course and he was in was he here in the spring i think he was yes yeah yeah like, does he come in and just like overwhelm everybody and, and take the job from day one it's, like any of those i think are possible yeah um so it's and but the biggest thing this year i know you already talked about o-line with jay um but as far as just the running game goes i think that's going to be the bigger key it, it's not that these guys are as talented as devon aging is uh but you hope that they're not getting hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage half the time right. like 18 was last year because uh, you know with bringing back essentially your full offensive line from the previous year also going into the second year of uh you know an offensive line scheme with steve adazio uh surely you're going to see improvement on that unit uh and hopefully they'll stay a little bit healthier as well and if that can happen i think that's the biggest key to those running backs really having a breakout year yeah, I think uh, I think Jay and I agree that even if like even if 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 none of the guys on the O line improved at all from last year, if they just all stayed healthy for all twelve games, it'd be a like that alone is an improvement. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, you know, that, that's all. That's all. I mean, like you can just you you can hope for more than that, but if we just got that, it'd be you know it'd be huge. But it's um, it's amazing how much you can look back at last year and just like because it wasn't like you look at last year and you just point at one thing and say, like, Oh, like this is the reason this team went five and seven, but you look back and you're like, man, there were just like, there were so many things that went wrong. <laughs> like yep. it was just a, a litany of, of errors and injuries and 
disciplinary problems and like everything just just sucked like that was a yeah. terrible year that we all want to forget so it's but yeah. it, it gives you the hope that like you can look at that and say look like that was kind of worst case scenario almost across the board and five and seven's not great but at the same time they were five and seven they were you know a touchdown in you know five of those seven losses from going ten and two um you know you can't just like snap your fingers and make that happen yeah, but it's like this team for as bad as they played and for as much went wrong last year as it often did there were so many games they were like they were you know one play away from actually pulling it out and yeah. one play away from like that season looking very differently so the point is that looking forward uh you know this team doesn't have to take quantum leaps to all of a sudden be a very good team uh, it's it's like it's small improvements it's small you know changes that can add up to a pretty major difference in your season yeah and, and chase and i touched on that a little bit in our state of the program like if if you're gonna have that kind of bad luck just have it all in one season like yeah, if we're gonna have big, 30 big guys, bath. if we're gonna have yeah. 30 guys <laughs> miss a game like because of the flu like let's do it in the five and seven year not the uh, the, the, the the trying to make a championship year <laughs> so yeah like yeah. there's just so many things and there's things i forgot about like until i went back and rewatched the auburn game i didn't realize that that we didn't have Donovan Green or Max Wright for that game. And, you know, uh, it's just – it's it's remarkable what – like that they were even to – especially that they were able to come together at the end of that year and, and be a top-five team in LSU. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing uh, either like a tweet thread. I may put this in an article or something. But um, I thought, you know, looking at the spring game and looking at some things that Bobby has done in the past, um, I feel like this run game is going to be a lot – different scheme wise than it's been under Jimbo like just just in terms of like like uh, it seems like Petrino uses a little bit more cre- creativity with uh uh with like w- with more gap scheme and more leverage like he he'll motion a tight end have him block down and, and pull a guard or tackle around and like all that kind of stuff and you know Jimbo would do a little bit of that here and there but it was it was kind of you know you know inside zone right inside zone left most of the time but uh, it just feels like, you know, with these backs, I bet Petrino is uh, very happy with with his group of backs. <laughs> and, um, you know, I feel like he's – I have to go back and look, but, yeah, I feel like he's been more of a, a rotational kind of guy. Uh, like you said, you know, Coach Blackwell uh, did that with a lot of success last year at Ole Miss. Um, you know, going back to, to Jimbo's championship year at Florida State, they had three backs – on that team that had 10 touchdowns that year. Like they rotated mm-hmm. quite a bit. He, he hasn't done it here really, but you know, maybe uh, I think it's, I think it would benefit to not have one guy get, you know, 250 carries in a season and have those guys uh, uh, ha- and have those guys rotate through quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of it at AM, it's more than anything. It's just been a matter of you just seemingly always had one guy who, was just way better than everybody else was. I mean, I think think the the only season we really saw any kind of true committee was in 2021 when you had Spiller and A-Chain. Yeah. Um, And and, and even then, like, you know, people were still begging for A-Chain to get the ball more than he was. Um, But at the same time, it's like, it was hard to be mad at at Spiller's production either that season. Um, But yeah, it's like more than anything, it's, you talked about, you know, Petrino and, his version of the run game, but just across the board, this has to be like the most offensive skill talent that Petrino's ever had at his disposal. 
Um, I mean, yes, he had he had Lamar Jackson, so yeah. that's not that is not to be discounted sure. <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. But I mean, save for Lamar, like Anum has way more talent on this team than he had on those teams at Louisville or or even at Arkansas. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I'm excited to see like he's done way more with way less. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think Olin Buchanan had an article where there was a couple of receivers from that Arkansas, like those Arkansas teams that like, I think that there were maybe two or three receivers that went in the fourth round. Um, and they had like, you know, like, okay careers. They kind of stuck around a little bit in the NFL, but you know, the guys on this team, I mean, like uh, these, th- these receivers on this team, I think it's gotta be, you know, especially from, you know, from 2020, uh, our best receiver was a nice and he played running back half the time. Um, this, this this group has really turned around, and uh, it, it's it's one of the best rooms in the country. I'd, I'd say it's probably in the top ten. Um, but you know, Evan Stewart in year two, uh, Moose Muhammad with another year um, in a full time role, uh, and getting a nice Smith back, the the, the spark plug of the offense. Um, it, it's been a while since we've had this many receivers uh, to be excited about on one team. Absolutely, I I would say it's easily the most receiver talent we've had since Jimbo came on board. Yeah. Um, I think the only team, the only team I can think of that comes to mind is like, that has that much when you just look at like the top four guys was maybe that 2016 team where, cause you had Christian Kirk, Josh Reynolds, uh, Ricky Seals, Jones, Speedy Noyle. Um, yeah. Who, you know, he didn't quite end up uh, being what it, we thought he was going to be. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but I mean, I mean, I think this group is, is right up with that one. And this one's constructed very differently. They're very different players than any of those guys were. Um, but I think it rivals that in talent. And then, and of course you also look back at 2012 um, where maybe from top to bottom, there's not as much, but 2012, you had Ryan Swope and Mike Evans. That's a pretty uh, potent one, two punch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Malcolm Kennedy, uh, he had some nice moments that season too, but true. Um, but yeah, but, but looking at these guys for 2023, my biggest question is Anaya Smith, because I, we've all kind of been talking as if he's going to come back, that he's fully healthy, that he's exactly the player he was before. And I just, I don't know if that's the case. I, I, I'm not saying that because I know any kind of inside information or anything. I just know that like, I mean, that was a pretty serious leg injury that required surgery that required, you know, a fair amount of rehab. Um, I think that was a big part of why he came back was because he knew he basically wasn't going to get to do any of that kind of pre-draft process, pre-draft workouts. If he tried to go to the draft this season. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a matter of like when, when we see him on the field in September, is it the same Anias that we have seen or is he just, you know, 85% of what he was. Right. Well, and, and you've uh, heard great things about Noah Thomas in the offseason. Yeah. Um, that he could really be a breakout player on this team. Uh, and obviously you have the guys like, like, like Evan Stewart's not sitting on the bench and, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Moose Muhammad is either. Uh, and, you know, I think there's going to be times where Petrino goes two tight ends. So um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to me how he uses Anias. Like if he wants to use him as kind of a chess piece to, you know, kind of back, to the way we did in 2020 where he's kind of in the backfield on some plays he goes out wide um you know he 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 does like those jet sweeps and things like that but um there's there's ways to get creative and i feel like they'll probably do that but um you know it's 
it's a pretty good problem to have when you're thinking yeah. about, you know, <laughs> how, how can we get all these guys on the field at the same time? And, and they might do that. They might go four wide from time to time. Yeah. Well, and it's, yes, I do think there, there's going to be times during the season that we're all going to like lament, like, why isn't so-and-so getting more catches? Why isn't so-and-so on the field more? But yeah. you hit on it. Like there, there's only so many receiver spots. And when you've got like four players, you like you all like you legit think like, all four, are like really, really like elite receiver talents. Um, there's only so many snaps, only so many passes to go around. So, yeah, you're you're just relying on Petrino that he maximizes those guys. Um, not not only like to keep them happy or anything, but just to make the offense as effective as it could be. Because, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just for the twitter discourse i hope that we can put to bed the uh the whole like you know that receivers come to AM to block yeah narrative yeah <laughs> they're they they're, they're good at it though <laughs> i'll say that yeah <laughs> but, I mean, there's nothing uh, wrong with blocking wide receivers as long as yeah, you're also yeah. getting them the ball too yeah yeah <laughs> sure um no i think uh yeah i'm, I'm thinking about it now. it's, it's got to be the most uh the most receiver talent he's had at, at one time um yeah but uh you know and like there, there's a couple of these young guys that have uh, a little bit different skill set than what we've got like uh like jordan anthony if if achan was was still here you know jordan anthony would be competing with him to be the fastest guy on the team uh, i think he ran like a 10-2 in high school uh transfer from, from kentucky not, not a very big guy listed at 5'9 160 uh so pretty pretty light frame but um you know i I, I don't know how much football he's played, but that's there's like that kind of speed. You, you can't you can't really teach that. And I wonder if they you know, he's pretty young. So but I wonder if they find a way to get him involved and, you know, just, hey, let's get him the ball and see what he can do with it. Yeah, yeah, it, that I think very similar to Ernest Campbell, who's in A&M's 2024 class. Yeah, it's fan. just guys. It's just guys that like you look at their speed. and You're like, I don't care how tall they are i don't care what their their frame is like when you're that fast like we'll figure out a use for you on this team yeah. you know yeah even if that is just in the return game or like you know it's like certain packages like you, know, you can't have too much elite speed yeah and then you've got and, uh you got john a walker um i yeah. forget where he's from i think a d2 or something like that Great. Maybe. i think what do i grand canyon state or something or grand valley state something like grand, that i think grand valley state sounds right yeah yeah and, you know six four one eighty five uh kind of that that possession type receiver but um you know his, his highlights he, he's got he's got great ball skills yeah um i've heard heard things here and there that, that he's starting to impress a little bit but you know he wasn't here in the spring so we'll get our first look at him this fall but um i like that they went and got more guys because the the depth after those first four was a couple of true freshmen and they're yeah. good players, but you know, you need more than six receivers going into the year. Yeah. Uh, and Walker was another one that, I mean, I, same as you, like just watching his highlights, I was like, this guy's, uh, yeah, he can go up and get the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's not, not just like a lumbering guy um, by any means. Um, I think I also heard somewhere and I don't know if this is true. So if it's not, don't hold it against me. <laughs> um, I heard somewhere that I think he grew like two inches since high school. And so, so that was part of the reason why he probably wasn't as highly recruited out of high school because he was only six, like, you know, difference in a six, two receiver and a six, four receiver is very different. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference. And, uh, 
know, it's interesting. It, it like as as far as the as the transfer portal goes, um, I feel like that like the JUCO players have made a little bit of a comeback, um, especially with that like like with the COVID year and not being able to 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 get film out there and things like that. Because our, our our linebacker that we got from the from Jackson State, he went to JUCO for a couple of years and then went to like Middle Tennessee and then Jackson State. And now he's here. Like he's kind of just made the rounds. But yeah, um, you know, there's there's several different ways to to attack the portal. And um, like there's guys we that we didn't get that were you know D two kind of guys, JUCO guys. Um, I, I like that they went out and you know just kind of scoured the country and, and found and found guys that can come in and help them. So yeah. Um, well, and that was something that um, you know when Aina was going out and trying to get guys out of the portal this year because after you know we lost you know I think twenty seven scholarship players to the portal. Obviously, we were going to have to bring in some other guys to plug those holes. But Aina was in a very unique position where you lost twenty seven players to the portal. Not a single one of them was a starter last year. Yeah, and so you're having to try to convince guys to come here. And normally, like when you're convincing like other Power Five players to come, they're saying like, "Oh, so I'm going to go there and start, right?" But AM was like, "Well, I don't know. We have actually already got this other guy who's pretty good. Yeah, who is probably going to start, but yeah, you know, but you know, no promises." Um, so AM was like, they needed a lot of bodies, but they really didn't need starters. Um, so, yeah. so I think it was a lot, it was a much tougher sell than you would have thought it was just knowing, Oh, like 27 guys left um, because you needed to plug a lot of spots, but it, you really just, you needed depth and recruiting yeah. the portal for depth is a lot harder. If you're like, if you're trying to recruit from other power five programs, because no one wants to leave Virginia tech who, when they're riding the bench just to come to AM and also ride the bench. That's yeah. just generally not what guys do when they're they're looking to go to the portal. And so, yeah, so you touched on it. Like, I think going down to that, you know, the, the G5, uh, JUCO ranks, A&M was able to hopefully kind of mine some gold there uh, and get guys that either – they're either valuable depth or they or they hit, and then you struck gold and, and, and you get a guy who, you know, is a very productive player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you know it's it, it, it's a different world in college football today, and um, you you got to keep up with the times. And I think that they, yeah. they did a really good job of, of adjusting there. But you know, I, it, it, as far as as the skill positions go, you know, I've, this is the best I've felt about quarterback in a long time. Uh, I think this is the best group of receivers that we've had in you know at least since, since twenty sixteen. Um, I love these running backs. Uh, you know, I, I love I love that whole room. Um, lots of guys at tight end and I feel like that I feel like Donovan Green doesn't get the love that he he should get um he, he didn't just tear it up last fall but you know he got like like 80 90 percent of the snaps last year had a really really solid year um was looking great in the spring didn't get to see him in the spring game but um I, I'm not sure if he's broken out already if you can consider that he has but uh, I, I think he's primed to have a, a just, just a monster year this year. Yeah, and it, it's hard because there are just so many other guys right there with him, um, just from a, a recruiting pedigree standpoint anyway, because you've you got Jake Johnson, who was the top tight end recruit in the country in that same class, and then uh, and, and then you got Theo uh, Orstrom from Sweden, who not as highly rated, 
but like you hear from all of the like you know the guys on sex ags and all the guys giving practice reports and they just rave about this guy just that you know he's just this like tank who was just an athletic freak um and everyone kind of talks about that like when it clicks for him when he finally yeah. gets the mental side of the game to go with his physical traits that this guy's just going to explode until you don't know when that's going to be yeah um but i mean but yeah i'm the same way like going back to just watching donovan green's like high school tape or in like in the high school all-star games i always said like even once we knew we were getting jake johnson i was like i want to see donovan green because like because yeah. i just loved like his style of play um i don't think he has the like elite athleticism of the other guys um but i mean but yeah we saw last year like he was very very productive and i mean at the end of the day like you just need guys who i mean obviously you need talented guys he's still exceptionally talented um but you need guys who like can block can catch and like know the offense know where they're supposed to be and make the right plays when they're supposed to that's you know we talk so much about talent but like it's it's as much about the mental part of the game as it is anything and i think yeah. there's a reason there's a reason like why you know he took over that starting role so quickly last year it's because not only was he very talented very physical but i think he just it seemed like he knew that offense and was pretty much productive from day one. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, like he, he wasn't a, a dominant blocker last year, but a, a very willing blocker. And that's really all you need. Like you don't need uh, Gronkowski out there just, just, just mowing guys down or, or Martellus Bennett. Um, but, you know, he's, he's willing to, to get in there and mix it up and does, does quite well sometimes. Um I think he'll be asked to do some of that in in this offense, but you know he, he should be a you know a a first down and a red zone machine uh, in in this offense. I think I think Connor's going to look for him a lot. But um, as as far as far as, uh, as far as Theodore Orstrom goes, uh, probably top three athlete on the team, just in terms of his size and speed combination. Uh, and and like you said, if he ever figures out uh, the football stuff, he's going to be uh an incredible player um hope that's this year uh you know at least a little bit sooner rather than rather than later but uh just an insane upside with with him yeah and i'll tell you what like i know i probably every time you get to this time of year i always talk about how excited i am for the season to get here but this year in particular and in particular with this offense i feel like it's it's the most excited I've been. And I don't, and I say excited, I don't necessarily say optimistic. Um, but just because I feel like we touched on it earlier, there's such a high level of variance with what yeah. this team could be and what this offense could be. Um, because we saw what we think was the worst of it last year. Um, but there's a lot of reasons that you think it could really vastly improve this year. Um, so it's just, it's super exciting to see that that first game out like how different does it look um and you know i think we're going to find out very quickly um whether or not this year is going to be markedly different from a year ago because as much as you know that first game it's a cupcake opponent it's easy to write it off and say okay like you're not really going to learn anything right but the bottom line is that like look anum did not score 40 points against anybody last year so like if this team goes out like and if they and they win like 52 to 10 I think you can already say like, okay, like that's, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because so often, you know, like 
you'll see like little problems that crop up in like that game one versus a nobody. And you say, okay, well, it's game one. We'll work that stuff out. You know, we're just working out the kinks. And then it's those same problems that you see persist the entire year. Yeah. Um, so even though like you may not be playing some juggernaut right off the bat, like as soon as the season starts, you can start learning things about your team. Um, so just excited that, you know, we're just over a month away from actually getting back to that. And after all this, like uh, maybe the longest off season of my entire life, just because <laughs> five and seven left such a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Oh yeah. Um, kind of moving to like the next season, kind of definitively turning the page to, okay, like this is not that anymore. This is something different. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been a long off season. You know, I, I listened to the, the, the cover three podcasts and, and all sorts of other ones, but um, like we've just been a, 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 an absolute punching bag yeah, uh, for, for everyone in, in college football media for the last year. Um, and Hey, you know, that's fine. That's, that's deserved. Last year was, uh, uh, was horrible and unacceptable in every way. Um, and you know, like w- we can't even list all the things that went wrong last year and led to those results. Uh, but I think, 95% of them, I think, have have been I, – I, I, I don't want to sound definitive here, but I feel like a lot of those problems have been remedied. Um, yeah. You know, I think the culture is going to be better. I think, you know, everyone was, uh, you know, upset about the offense, rightfully so. I think they've they've taken the right steps to, to fix that. Um, you know, fingers crossed that half the team doesn't get hurt in the first couple of games or, or actually is able to – you know, participate in fall camp. Hopefully our center doesn't have mono again. Um, and just all, like all those, like all those different things. Uh, you know, it, it, it just sounds absurd to even sit here and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but yeah, it's just one of those where you're like, like just by like sheer odds, like, yeah, it has to be better this year. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to the mean. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, like all those things is not, it's not, it's not normal. So like maybe this will be a, a quote unquote normal season, you know, on, on all those fronts, but, um, yeah yeah you just hope yeah it's like you know it, yeah if you believe in like regression to the mean if you believe in things like averaging out is that you know we had such like we had such a down year this year like yeah we're gonna have like we're gonna have the up year to like balance things out yeah it's coming and uh, so yeah so everyone says a and say eight and four program well last year we were five and seven so i guess this year we got to go like 11 and two <laughs> hey it, it all evens out right gotta, we gotta I make would, we gotta make the math work out i would take that but you know i i, I know that uh you know, people give us a uh, not me specifically, but at least my, my wife does sometimes about, you know, being optimistic and, and, you know, Kool-Aid drinker, sunshine pumper thing. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, if, if I felt that a lot of those things hadn't been fixed and this was going to be a horrible year, I'd come on here and tell you that I'd be like, Hey, it's still Jimbo's offense. This is a lost cause. And, you know, not very optimistic about this year, but you know, things like that. And, and all the others that we've talked about, you know, that gives me hope. And, you know, just when I think I'm out, they pull me right back in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like my biggest difference this year is, and maybe this is just like me kind of guarding my heart after what happened last year, but I'm kind of, I'm going in like being hopeful, but with essentially zero expectations. Right. You know, because we've talked for the past hour um, of like, and we've outlined a lot of reasons why think could improve you know reasons why we think this team could be much better this year especially on offense um that said like we didn't see last year coming either um so we could be sitting here two months from now being like 
all of that stuff we talked about last year that was like part of the reason why this team struggled, half of that stuff's still happening. This team's like just not going to be very good, and that sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm not predicting that, but like you have to acknowledge after last season, like that outcome is on the table. Uh, but yeah, we're, it, but this is the, the time of year for hope. And so we all hope that uh, we see you rebound and, and we get to kind of have all those people who, as you mentioned, use AM as a punching bag for you know the pat, better part of the last year. Uh, maybe don't eat their words, but they at least kind of are forced to stay quiet for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is uh, like, it's kind of like a dopamine hit to, to listen to those podcasts after a big win that we have, like just oh, to hear yeah. them say like, Oh, th- this ain't, a, this ain't an empty man. They've, you know, th- they're, they're playing so well and they're a good team. And yes, yeah, like that, that first, you know, if we go and if we go and just like blast Miami, uh, I- I'm listening to every national show that following week <laughs> just to hear, all oh, the, yeah. just to hear all the high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're sitting there like just fast forwarding through because I say, all right, all right, when are they get into the A&M segment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that Miami game, I know we're not doing like a season breakdown or anything. Um, that Miami game does like, that's the game that I'm the most nervous about only because it's week two. Yeah. And that kind of, that does kind of set the tone. And it's there. I feel like, yeah, it kind of sets the tone for the season because if you lose to them, then like the narrative is like, oh, like you just lost your team that went five and seven like last year, a team that you actually beat last year. Um, so it doesn't bode well for what's going to happen the rest of the way versus if you win, you can kind of flip that thing on its head and say, oh, this was a team that everyone was saying, just like you, could be very improved this year. You beat them on the road. It's it's year two under Cristobal. You know, it's like you can make the case that that's kind of a, <clears throat> a notch in your belt of like a really solid win. Yeah. Yeah, no, that one, like, uh, <coughs> like Auburn, you know, I'm not too worried about. Um, Arkansas, you know, it's always going to be, you know, a, a, a weird game, but – um, I've got that Miami one circled because, you know, like, like you said, it, it, it should be an improved team. It is, it, it's over there and, you know, it, it's kind of a good benchmark of, of everything we've talked about. You know, you go in there and, <clears throat> and put up a great performance, you know, it's, it's going to feed the the hype machine even more and, and rightfully so. Like we'll, we'll get on here and, you know, talk about the good and the bad, but, um, definitely one to, to have circled on your calendars, but yeah, it, and I think and it'll be one of those where, I'm not even so concerned about like blowing Miami out. Um, but I, I want to win and I, and I want to look good while we do it yeah. because last year we won and we were all like so relieved that we won because we had just lost to app state the week before. But I mean, even the most fervent A&M fan looked at that game and said like, well, I'm, I'm glad we won, but ugh, that was still like a slog of a game. You know, it's, yeah. no one was like just blown away saying everything's fixed. Yeah. I think I think we blocked like two or three kicks in that game, and like it was it was a very weird game because like they had way more yards than we did, but um, just uh, yeah, it wasn't one you felt like oh yeah like, like this is gonna be fine. It, it was still like eh, yeah. we won, but you know uh, don't know. I mean, we kind of the same thing as same thing as Arkansas the next week because you're like, well, we won, but we needed that <laughs> that weird like you know like, you know fumble return for a touchdown, then we needed an oink doink off the, yeah. the top of the goalpost. So it's yeah. like we'll take the W, but still some work to do. Yeah. So, like, yeah, just hopefully this year we can go through September and, like, actually have, like, tangible things of, like, this team is playing well in addition to winning games yeah. uh, and really get that hype train moving. Um, because, oh, and one other thing, like, just as far as that early season slate, 
Um, I want the Alabama game to live up to the hype for once. And by that, I don't mean the game itself because the past two game, two years have been fantastic games. But the past two years, like we've sat here in July oh, and everyone's yeah. talking about like what a great matchup is going to be. And then both seasons, like we flubbed the dub enough, you know, in the opening month that by the time the game rolled around, Alabama's 20 point favorites and no one cares about the game anymore. It'd be really great to like have both teams go in undefeated or at most one loss. And that game like gets a lot of that kind of, you know, big buildup. Like that whole week leading into that, that game. I feel like I've been saying for 20 off seasons in a row, like, Oh, if you can just get to that Bama game undefeated, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's this, like in the, and the schedule has been the same kind of setup. Every this year is the year. <laughs> this is it. You know, Hey, 2024, we don't play Alabama. So it'll, or Georgia. It'll whole, so it'll be a whole new, it'll be a whole new that's narrative. A, yeah. That's a brave new world, man. <laughs> uh, crazy, crazy sport that we, that we love and follow, but um, appreciate you coming on Robert. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on, uh, sometime before the season starts but uh yeah. uh keep doing uh great work and fighting the good fight on twitter um go uh, uh go check out his stuff uh at good bull hunting um on twitter at rcbo5 um thanks for listening and we'll, we'll be back next week i think we're doing uh backers and uh dbs next week but uh we'll talk to y'all then thank y'all so much